Welcome back to Tangredome. Finally, finally, I am alone back on my goddamn show and not turning someone else's show into an episode of Tangredome. If uh, you are listening to this on YouTube and are confused uh, what the hell I'm talking about, I've uh, been uh, interrupting the analytical process of our, uh, our other content producers, namely Christian and Silas of the Forbidden Technique podcast. You may find their show on, uh, uh, well, you may find their show on the Fight Side Podcast Network. And uh, this takes me into a couple of announcements uh, that um, I want to get out of the way really quickly. We're in the middle of um, a fairly big restructuring that is, uh, a lo- that, that's been a long time coming. Uh, starting out, I mean, obviously, this has been basically an amateur, uh, basically amateur hour. Uh, from start to finish uh, and this is not an intentional reference to Ben Cohn's new show where he interviews uh, amateur MMA fighters what I'm referring to however is how sloppily we've been running this operation and uh, yeah I want to tighten up some screws and uh, most of the team agrees with me and we're going to start with the restructuring of the Patreon we're gonna, the way we did it before was um, the higher the tier the more uh, benefits you get in terms of customization. So you can make requests. Uh, after a certain point, you may uh, request like um, uh, a full-length article on a subject of your choosing or a, uh, a video breakdown also on the subject of your choosing. And that's just kind of unrealistic. Uh, providing videos and full-length, like long articles, long in-depth articles every month when it's like, Seven or six of us? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> ain't happening. Uh, what we're gonna focus on, uh, what we're gonna focus on, is uh, uh, stuff that we can provide fairly consistently and um, at a reasonable level of quality. Stuff like alternate commentary, exclusive podcasts, and uh, Q and A's, and uh, training advice videos, uh, and uh, and so on. Uh, basically, stuff that you that we can crank out, uh, cram in as much useful content as possible into those pieces of content, and that's that. The request system will not go away. Uh, we're gonna set up a Ko-Fi, and we're gonna set up a Ko-Fi, and you may be able. Uh, well, not not maybe. I'm sorry, I'm kind of drunk. Kind of kind of kind of regular occurrence these days. Sorry, just uh, have to keep myself self-medicated. You know. Um, what we're going to set up is a commission system. We're going to have a commission system and you'll be able to make requests, make a one-off payment, there's going to be a price list, and then you'll get what you're paying for. And uh, that's... Uh, we may still get a quite a, quite a quite a big backlog of requests, or at least I hope so, but uh, it's still much more realistic than just um, offering the service that we're gonna allegedly provide every month and then just not deliver on. Uh, it's just, just kind of, you know, it's kind of stupid. It's just un- unsustainable. Besides that, we're gonna launch a couple of new YouTube channels. Uh, the first ch- YouTube channel, uh, that's just called The Fight Side is, it's kind of cursed. Uh, it was first, first it was Ryan Wagner's channel. Uh, that uh, has been converted into the Fight Side channel. And all this stuff has been 
like th- this has been done way before my time and when i came in i was just what the fuck are you guys doing <laughs> anyway uh, so and there was like videos of varying length which uh, the algorithm doesn't like and there were like all sorts of different types of content which also the algorithm doesn't really like so uh, we're gonna we're gonna make specialized gonna make specialized uh, youtube channels and gonna uh, like this youtube channel i think will continue being the podcast and uh, commentary um, not sorry not commentary podcast and uh, long discussion panel long form content type stuff the other one will be video breakdowns and uh, other weird shit and uh, another one is uh, i don't know like vlogs something i don't know basically we're gonna launch a new channel stay tuned there's gonna be content on it uh we're gonna uh, try and tighten up uh release schedule with regards to articles and uh, obviously patreon releases and uh yeah there's gonna be uh, uh the, the ko-fi is gonna serve as a tip jar and also like the place where you make commissions uh, we're also probably going to add a tip jar tier on the Patreon. So if you just want to support the uh, the website but have no time to catch up on the enormous backlog of content that we've released, that's the tier for you. Afterwards, if you feel like you have enough time to just to subscribe at the higher tier and nickel our stuff, then feel free. Anyway. Anyway. Bullshit out of the way. UFC Paris. Pretty okay, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, after UFC London, which sets the bar basically in the earth score, uh, that that was an okay event. I quite enjoyed uh, some of the fights on it, and uh, no, not to faff about for too long. Uh, the main event: Sirogan Taito Iwasa, awesome heavyweight fight, uh, and yes, yes, you have heard. It. You have heard me right. I enjoyed the fight. It was a heavyweight fight. It was a fight between Cyril... It was a fight featuring Cyril Gunn as the main star. Taito Iwasa was there, uh, the fat slob. And I really, really enjoyed the fight. Uh, being honest, I was kind of rooting for Taito Iwasa. And uh, even though I call him a fat slob, I, call, I do this lovingly. You see, uh, Taito, it's Taito Iwasa's shtick. He's uh, the fatty with the fast hands. And it's uh, an archetype I've enjoyed for a number of years now, watching heavyweight fights. And uh, Cyril Gunn, uh, people keep getting on my case with regards to Cyril Gunn. Like, oh, how come you can't admit that he's good? I do admit that he's good. He is a good heavyweight. Good heavyweight which is like the important distinction and they kind of they kind of want me to admit that he's just good full stop and uh i mean nathaniel wood and like charles jordan uh fought on this on this cards and like compare taito ivasa versus sirogan with this fight with uh, nathaniel wood versus jordan and then come back to me and tell me which one uh was um more interesting in terms of techniques showcased and that's what what i how i kind of like gauge my my enjoyment and uh, how engaging the fight really is i i'm a technique nerd i like technical stuff and uh and i still enjoy fighting like raw violent sometimes even dumb fighting and uh, but to a certain extent and this fight met the necessary requirements both both guys were doing 
reasonably understandable, smart things for their styles. It's like uh, early on, okay. Uh, to get into breaking down the actual fight, Cyril Gunn early on, I mean, credit where credit is due, Cyril Gunn knows what he's good at and he sticks to it. He has a process. He jabs you up. He doesn't let you uh, collapse distance. Doesn't get into too many exchanges that uh, that are dangerous. So he just kind of builds up a lead. If the finish is there, he'll go for it. Otherwise, eh, jabs, uh, some low kicks, some body kicks, uh, uh, like a low line side kick, a blick kick. Easy decision. Done. Job's done. Going home. This time around, though, Taito Iwasa came out with measured pressure. Cutting the cage, corralling Serogun into situations where he can clang him. Using shifting entries to collapse distance quickly, using low kicks and using a bunch of feints here and there, threatening explosive entries to push Serogun backwards. Serogun uh, didn't, uh, has done a reasonable job of like not, uh, like, um, well, basically not gluing his butt to the fence. For, for too long, you'd soak it out. He, he'd recognize when uh, his feet, uh, he, when his back has hit the fence and he'd circle out, he's, uh, he'd reposition, he'd try to regain the center, get back to his usual game. Taito Iwasa would uh, adjust, he would get right back to it, throw some low kicks, uh, do a shifting entry, and uh, if the shifting entry doesn't connect, he'd still threaten it. And they were doing stuff that makes sense. And uh, Taito Iwasa managed to catch Serogan with one of those shifting entries and knock him down really badly. And Serogan has admitted to that punch basically nearly putting him out. And that's very impressive. And uh, Serogan popped right back on his feet, woke up, went back to it, and started pouring it on with the body shots. Very, very good body shots. And consistent throughout the fights until the very finish. And uh, that's something that I really enjoyed seeing. I've always said that Serogan is a very nasty body kicker. He has some quite a bit of pop on, you know, on his body kicking. And in general, um, I would say, despite his style, Serogan is still an enormous man and is very athletic. So he, of course, he'd be able to, <laughs> you know, have a lot of, uh, like, have a lot of sting in his shots. And that's what he showcased. So he, Went nuts with the body shots, hurt Taito Iwasa. Taito Iwasa grit his teeth, bit down on his uh, gum shield, and came back swinging. Caught Sirogan with a counter left hook. Sirogan went, like, <laughs> went spots, like, basically he was sent reeling. And he, he just stumbled backwards to the other side of the cage, and then it was like pandemonium from that point onwards. It was amazing. Uh, obviously, Taito Iwasa, uh, not the best kicking defense. In fact, non-existent kicking defense against uh, the middle kicks. Uh, th th did not know what to do with the snap kicks. Did not do. Did not uh, understand what to do with the sort of like a crescent kick to the gut that uh, Serogan kept throwing. Not exactly a crescent kick in the sense that he would like throw a faked roundhouse kick and then like sharply whip his knee around and connect with the instep to the gut. It was more like a sort of like a sneaky. Kind of like a uh, snap kick, but uh, he would rotate his front foot so it connects with the belly, like toes pointed 
um, at an angle that would stab the toes into the belly, and that's what really hurt uh, Taito Iwasa. It's it's a neat looking kick. I, I like it. I, I like that technique. It's fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, Taito Iwasa did not know what what to do with it. Uh, did not try to like move laterally. Did not try to catch the kick. Did not try to move away from the kick. It's just sort of like would. We just sort of stumble backwards, uh, tank it, and then go, ow! And, yeah. Uh, still, Taito Iwasa would... Uh, t- that's the point where Taito Iwasa's pressure kind of fell apart. Obviously, he got very, got hurt very badly, and uh, the way that he was able to, uh, to grit out and tough out the sheer mind-numbing pain that you feel from getting kicked in the gut. It's it's kind of nuts. Taito Iwasa, I mean, we, we all know that's his stuff, but that's kind of, that's pretty ridiculous. That's kind of like Derek Lewis tier stuff, except unlike Derek Lewis, Taito Iwasa would not play po- uh, would not play possum. He would just come back uh, throwing bombs, which is just... Uh, you know, uh, makes me respect him that much more. Obviously, Taito Iwasa is like, he's not obligated to, to earn my respect. But yeah, it's uh, both fighters kind of elevated my evaluation of them with this fight. Really enjoyed it. Uh, anyway, Zero Gun like, uh, continues throwing body shots, uh, corrals uh, Taito Iwasa with the body shots to the fence. And as Taito Iwasa rebounds, tries to rebound with one of his, uh, like, sort of like shifting entries, uh, throwing them badonkadonks, swinging them swinging them bungalows. Uh, Sirogan finds this picture perfect, pivoting, uh, sort of like not quite uppercut, not quite uh, uh, a rear hook, but he still, it comes from underneath and uh, spins Taito Iwasa's jaw around and Taito Iwasa is sent reeling back into the fence and then... Uh, Sirogan throws like a nasty left hook and then followed up with a right hand and a really uncalled for hammer fist to the brainstem followed by another left hand. But yeah, in any case, uh, Taito Iwasa comes down. Now, now, as much as I enjoyed that fight, the only thing that soured my impression of the fight was uh, a hammer fist to the brainstem. And as Michael Bisping actually admitted it on the <laughs> on the broadcast, maybe unwittingly, he went like, oh, what a nasty finishing sequence. Oh, Hammerfist to the brainstem. And so it trailed off and there was a silence there. Yeah, uh, the reason why punches to the back of the head are banned and illegal, and uh, I don't know, it's a tricky situation. It's a tricky... In this particular instance, it's tricky. It's like, do, do you... Do you I mean, do you punish Sirogan after that performance with a disqualification? Do you take away a point? Like, what's the... Like, what's even... What would that change? Taito Iwasa is still knocked out. However, um, it's just the precedent of uh, these... You see that a lot of the time, like, uh, punches to the back of the head are rarely uh, punished to, like, a, to, a, to like, harshly. The, the fighters get warned to watch the back of the head, and the fighters mostly comply with that. But in finishing sequences, when guys just... Like, Mark Hunt uh, kind of liked doing that. Uh, as much as I like Mark Hunt, that particular habit of his I did not enjoy, which is like elbows to the brainstem, which he would sometimes employ. 
And the reason why I punch it to the back of the head is so dangerous is that they, I mean, fucking, it's such a sensitive, vulnerable spot. The brainstem controls your, basically, your everything. And if, forgive me, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I do not have the medical knowledge. Uh, I'm not like medically trained or like have uh, really precise knowledge of biology, but I seem to recall that the back of the head, the back side of your brain is uh, responsible for controlling uh, your vision. I think that's what I seem to remember, at least. If you if you know otherwise, correct me in the comments or like reach out to me and correct me. I would really, uh, in any case, I would probably look it up anyway at some point. Um, I'm just uh, kind of tipsy right now, so can't be asked. But yeah. I assume that most of you have uh, ex uh, have experienced like uh, I assume most of you have fallen uh, so, like slipped maybe and fallen like head first and uh, hit your the back of your head on like uh, on the floor or pavements or whatever else and uh, I assume most of you have felt very dizzy for at least a couple seconds if not more like as a child uh, I fell off. Um, Sort of like a gymnastics exercise bench. I forget what you call it in English. Fucking uh, uh, the freaking uh, the fucking uh, like automatic rodeo looking thing, except it's static. I don't know. Does that make sense? Anyway, that, basically, it's it's pretty tall, and so uh, we were performing like some uh, athletic uh, athletics on it for some reason during PT. And uh, as I was jumping, uh, something wrong happened, and my hand slipped. Maybe it was slick from sweat or something. And I don't don't remember. It was a long time ago. I slipped and I fell backwards, and like there was a bench, somewhat nearby, uh, and I hit the back of my head on the angle, like like the angle part of the bench, the one that uh, your uh, hips rest on. So I hit it, and like well, I was my vision went completely black and I was really dizzy for like at least a couple of moments um, thankfully like no considerable long lasting effects as far as I can tell but uh, obviously can't uh, be too sure about that um, the, the only other thing that I can point towards my in intelligence level these days is uh, my drink habit <laughs> anyway cheers So, strikes to the back of the head. I want you to look up. Obviously, you can do it later, but the one thing that I want you to look up is there's a YouTube video um, called Brain Damage in Boxing. And one of the examples presented is uh, Gerald McClellan. And there was a fight between Gerald McClellan and Nigel Benn. There's lots of shady history connected to that fight. Obviously, uh, the main person involved behind uh, the fight is uh, uh, one Mr. King, naturally, of course. And so the his the story of the fight goes like this. Uh, so Nigel Benn, there's like lots of negligent refing in that fight. And McClellan uh, almost finished Nigel Benn in one of the rounds, one of the early rounds. Can't remember which one it was. Um, the, the, the ref somehow interrupted the finishing sequence. And following after that, uh, Nigel Ben connected with the with, with a bunch of rabbit punches 
that were not penalized or addressed by the referee. And afterwards, you could see uh, Gerald McLellan try and clear stars from his vision, like blinking rapidly, sort of like kind of shaking his head, not understanding what the fuck is happening. And then, after getting hurt really badly, there's a standing eight count. I'm sorry, it, it wasn't a standing eight count. Um, after a certain point, uh, McClellan uh, took a knee. He took a knee several times. And uh, f- after the second uh, time that when he took a knee, uh, he, the ref counted him out. And uh, after the fight was over, uh, just straight up um, quoting Wikipedia now. You can just look up the, the story of the fight. So McClellan st- stood up, walked to his corner, uh, and uh, sat down on the canvas, leaned against the ring ap- apron, but while being attended to by ring physicians, slumped onto his back and lost consciousness. Subsequently, subsequently McClellan was uh, strapped to, the, to a stretcher and rushed to the hospital. Had an emergency surgery to remove a blood clot from his brain, spent 11 days in a coma, and was found to have suffered extensive brain damage lost his eyesight, the ability to walk unassisted, and was reported as being 80% deaf. In addition to being blind, his short-term memory was profoundly affected. His three sisters, particularly Lisa Lisa McClellan, uh, were left responsible for his care. Uh, Afterwards, the boxing world pretty much uh, abandoned McClellan. There was there were attempts at a fundraiser for treatment and uh, care and such, but um, as far as I can remember, they were unsuccessful. Uh, um, I think Roy Jones, I think Roy Jones Jr. was at the forefront of that effort. But uh, anyway, I'm not Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, I'm not Kyle McLaughlin to be able to remember trivia like that. Either way, horrendous case and an example of how dangerous hits to the back of the head really are. And I don't know. I don't know. Should Cyril Gunn be penalized for this particular instance? As far as I can tell, Taito Iwasa is perfectly fine. If this becomes a continued behavior exhibited by Cyril Gunn in other fights, I'd say then we might want to take a look at what what exactly is uh, either being taught at the gym or what he's doing in the cage. Like, Is it deliberate or maybe? And it's my pet theory since... uh, Cyril Gunn's ability to throw the straight right is so inconsistent, or like a rear punch in general, I think he's just uncomfortable with uh, throwing strikes straight, hence the numerous occasions where he throws himself way out of position going for these rainbow overhands. So in this particular sequence, he probably just got overexcited and uh, in comes the hammer fist to the brainstem. Either way, not pretty. Obviously, congratulations for the win. Uh, Great... uh, Great urgency, getting back from the knockdown, good durability, good recovery. Uh, still something I'm not not entirely comfortable with. And uh, it's more of a like an overarching institutional issue, I would say, than um, really like a consistent fault with Serogan. Even though there was also that uh, uh, Junior DeSantis finish, uh, Junior DeSantis, uh, that, that Junior DeSantis is still trying to overturn. That was it was kind of marginal. It was kind of behind the ear, but still not entirely to the back of the head. So, eh, sorry, JDS, probably not going to work out. Overturning results is generally like a pain in the ass. Rarely works out. 
in this case, uh, I don't think JDS has uh, much of a case in. Don't think he has much of a case anyhow. Anyway, Serogan, uh, I say, as if he can hear me right now, as if uh, as if this is information that can reach Serogan. Watch out for that stuff. Kind of rein yourself, uh, rein yourself in a little bit. You know, learn how to stray, how to throw straight punches uh, consistently, which is especially weird. Like you know, uh, the knockout came from one of the best shots of Cyril Gunn's career, and admittedly, it's a very short career. And uh, to be fair, like it's kind of crazy that he's improved this fast. But uh, regardless, that was a really, really good shot, and then followed up immediately by like this weird fucking swing uh, after connecting with really good technically proper shots I don't know um, moving on Robert Whittaker Styles and uh, Marvin Vittori easy work for Whittaker also benefited by the fact that uh, it was over three rounds so Whittaker just uh, can pile on some volume and then uh, job's done uh, which is what he did. Nearly finished Vittori, by the way, a couple of times. Uh, very impressive, given Vittori's track record of being unbreakable. And th- in this fight, Vittori genuinely looked like... Uh, genu- genuinely looked defeated. Very unfamiliar look for Vittori, to me. And um, unused to seeing him like this. Unused to seeing him like this. Uh... Send an email to my web zone if you think drunk Tengridom is better than or worse than normal Tengridom. <clears throat> anyway. <clears throat> so usual stuff from um, both fighters, part of the course really. Uh, however, Whitaker just too good, too slick. One one twos on point. Coming back to front kicks, which is something that he kind of moved away for a while. Uh sapped Vittori's energy, obviously. Dabs. One twos, one one twos, left hook on point, defense on point. Vittori very timid. Made Vittori very timid. Important distinction. So uh takes Vittori down easily in the in the last round. Like uh, slickest double. Slickest, easiest double uh, in in quite a while for Robert Whitaker. And yeah. I don't know, not much to say about this fight. Whittaker fucking whipped Vittori's ass and that's that. <laughs> the usual Whittaker staple supply. Uh, good uh, footwork on the outside. L-steps, circling out when necessary. Uh, using uh, counter jabs, intercepting uh, left hooks. Uh, 1-1-2s on the retreat. Uh, like the, the Whittaker special, the high kick. All there. Nice. Very nice, very nice comfy fight. I uh, wouldn't say that it was uh, the best Whitaker fight in terms of like uh, how high octane entertainment or Whitaker output, uh, output on behalf of Whitaker, I should say. But still, solid performance. Uh, Whitaker looked in good form. Uh, not sure what uh, what's next for Vittori. I don't know. Uh, not sure what's next for Whitaker either. I guess fight fight Costa. I guess. I mean, who else is there? Um, I mean, third fight with Adesanya? Eh, don't want to see it. Fight Costa. Afterwards, maybe like drub 
a, a couple more contenders and uh, maybe call it a career. I don't know. Doesn't does obviously doesn't look like Whitaker is slowing down any or has slowed down any. Looked in good form this time around. It's just that uh, the division is kind of. I mean, who who the fuck who the fuck else is there? It's just him and Adesanya. Fighting Adesanya five times in a row doesn't like seem very interesting. But maybe he he'll be able to Marat Gregorian himself into a, a win. Ah. Uh, Okay, uh, kind of feels weird not dedicating a lot of time to a Whitaker fight. It's just that kind of we already know Whitaker inside and out and what he does well, and he did everything that he does well to Marvin Vittori, and that's uh, very impressive. It's very fun. Um, Nasruddin Imamov, Nasruddin Imamov versus uh, Joaquin Buckley. Uh, Imamov stopped Buckley. Buckley kind of... Uh, I know. Is Buckley done? He's, he's still pretty young, but uh, he's decision-making. and he's, Basically, he had his five seconds of fame with the crazy kick. Then he got crazy kicked himself. And now he's uh, on this rough stretch. Uh, what else can you say? Roman Kapilov. Alessio Di Chirico. Uh, I only watched the finish. I wasn't very interested in that fight. Kapilov knocked out the Cherico, the Kiriko. So that's that. Gomez, Aaron's one judge hilariously scored that fight at 10-10, which is, I'm not sure if it's a correct score, but either way, I respect that judge very much. Hats off, stick to your guns. Uh... Gomez's stunts is fucking disgusting. Someone needs to slap him. Someone needs to kick him in the legs. If it doesn't adjust it, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'll maybe I'll hire one of those uh, snipers from the sniper tunnels in Chicago. Nathaniel Woods, Charles Jordan. The real main event of the evening for me. Uh, very very impressive performance by Nathaniel Wood. I was kind of. I was kind of fearful as to Nathaniel Wood's performance against uh, bigger featherweights, but then again, Jordan is not exactly uh, a huge featherweight himself. By the way, uh, Miguel Glass, uh, a new addition to the Fight Eye team that we brought on board, uh, we brought him on board as a writer. And uh, what a writer he is. Um, first week, not a couple of days passed uh, with the Fight Eye, already released one of his pieces. His first piece, uh, I should say, uh, a breakdown of uh, Charles Jordan's clinch work against uh, Shane Burgess. Despite the fact that he, he lost the fight against Shane Burgess, uh, he still demonstrated some really, really good looks in the clinch and some really great infighting. However, what makes Nathaniel Wood's performance, and I even have notes, for the first time, Tengridom has freaking notes written with a pen on paper is that how you say it paper maybe it's paper i don't know so immediately out of the gate nathaniel wood looks fucking on he's turned on he's sharp connecting with uh, sharp combinations sharp one one twos throw away one one twos into snap kicks great looks catches a showdown somewhat like uh, not cold, but kind of off guard. 
uh, able to connect. Jordan himself is able to kind of get Woods timing fairly quickly and responds with his own volume combinations. But Nathaniel Woods' high guard was very, very good this fight. He was very disciplined, intercepting uppercuts, intercepting, like catching hooks on the guard, letting punches skim off the top of his head, kind of turning the elbow inwards so the uppercut hits the elbow. Very nasty. Uh, very good defense, very good proactive looks. Um, jabs, dipping jabs, kind of like inside slips, outside slips. Just great boxing all around. And in round one, at minute 40, Wood gets uh, Jordan with a hard right uh, of what seems to be a mistimed teep attempt. I don't know. Kind of looks like uh, Nathaniel Wood tries to draw out uh, a front kick out of uh, Jordan. And Jordan, like, basically the bottom line is that Jordan was on one leg and um, got hurt really badly and kind of went skittering about uh, on the cage while Nathaniel Wood tried to chase him down. But to Jordan's credit, recovered very quickly, uh, started retaliating and uh, tied up and started trying to do his clinch work, trying to get single collar tie, like trying to get collar ties, underhooks, overhooks, uh, dominant head positioning. And it turns out Wood's better in the clinch. Who fucking knew? Um, I'm not familiar enough with Nathaniel Wood to say if um, whether or not it was a skill that was present throughout his career. Uh, if uh, if it is, then that's impressive. If it's something that he prepared specifically for this fight, that's even more impressive. Because every time Jordan tried to establish dominant, dominant head positioning, Nathaniel Wood, uh, Nathaniel Wood would beat him <laughs> to, to the dominant head positioning. Every time Jordan tried to set up a combination from the inside, Nathaniel would, would be... be uh, fucking... Fuck's sake. Nathaniel would be wise to that and uh, intercept uh, the punches with his guards or maybe adjust his positioning in the clinch a little bit. Dip his weight to the side. Dip his weight to the other side. Uh, mess with Jordan's balance and uh, trip him easily, at will, throughout the fight. Really nice trips. And the thing that you see commonly with people attempting trips in MMA is that they attempt trips too high. Yeah, they kind of like try to sort of like almost low kick the leg out. Meanwhile, uh, what uh, Nathaniel Wood does is kind of like he would adjust his opponent's weight. And then as the weight is dipping to one side, he would just kind of push his instep against the other person's foot. And that's how you get a nice trip. That's how you get a nice, smooth trip. And that's how he get them throughout. Uh, that's how he got them throughout the fight. Very nice foot placement and very nice like balance in the stance. <laughs> a lot of people's problem in the clinch is breaking the stance, either going to um, front foot, like basically automatically people start going front footed, start sort of walking in the clinch instead of digging in. You dig in with your feet and you get dominant head, head positioning by shoving your the top of your head underneath the other person's chin and you push with your weight against them. And that's what Wood did. And uh, Jordan tried to attempt to um, pummel and uh, re-establish better positioning in the clinch, but Nathaniel Wood would just beat him to the positions. He would uh, uh, bait underhooks to, to instead... Like, he would bait an underhook in a way that would give him his own underhook. It wouldn't be his, Jordan's underhook this, uh, this time around. It would be Wood's overhook. That kind of stuff. Really clever. Uh, 
And um, before the end of the first round, at uh, like with 24 seconds re- remaining in the round, would Hertzio then again with a left hook around the guard. Just really nice, really sort of like long left hook that uh, circles around the guard and uh, clatters Jordan uh, on the jaw or on the temple. I can't recall which, but either way, Jordan's hurt. And there is a sequence where Wood, instead of like Jordan would secure the clinch and Jordan would try to retaliate with um, with his own trips and he would get a couple, I think, uh, in that fight, which is uh, just... Uh, I, I kind of to emphasize that this fight wasn't like a complete shutout. It was a, still a competitive fight, clear win for Wood, but still an interesting fight. It's not like Jordan was outclassed or looked bad. Wood would just came better prepared with specific, really good tools that uh, uh, allowed him to win the fight. And... The one problem, though, I noticed with Jordan is that his guard was completely like uh, just a flaccid, tepid guard. Like he would half uh, half acidly tie his legs together and not do much else. Would not attempt to hip escape. Uh, his hips were basically dead. He would just kind of when you when you look at on uh, when you try to evaluate bottom games, the one thing that you should try and look at, uh, pay attention to the way the hips move on from the guy on bottom. The guy on bottom, if he has a good bottom game, he would be constantly wriggling around, trying to hip escape, trying to put his feet on the opponent's uh, hips, try to regard, try to get butterfly hooks, try to get a knee shield in, um, try to uh, try to lace the leg to get for to go for a sweep. Basically, the legs will be active. They would not just be, oh, one leg goes on top of the other leg, and that's oh, that's now my god. And yeah, Raph is not doing much. Uh, what are you gonna do? This is boring. I want to get up, Raph. Please stand me up. And that's kind of what Jordan did in, uh, in the beginning of the fight a couple of times. Yeah, did not enjoy that look from Jordan. Uh, at least if you regard, like, get a tight guard and not just kind of hug the opponent with your legs. Uh, yeah, not a good look on the ground. So, uh, in the middle, like, there was uh, a sequence where uh, Jordan would try to get to the infight and unload with hooks, and Nathaniel would. He intercepted, he beat Jordan to the punch and uh, hooked within Jordan's hooks. And that's kind of, that's like 1950s boxer shit. Absolutely love that sequence. Really great, really good stuff. If you want to infight, the one thing that you want to maintain is like, if you're smaller, use that. Get within the range of the uh, of your opponent. Hook and punch within your opponent's punches and uh, mess with their range and uh, hit them from unexpected angles. And Wood has done that brilliantly throughout the fight. There was also instances where he would uh, bait kicks out of Jordan and kick the standing leg, punt it out, and uh, Jordan would topple over and uh, Wood would would be able to secure top position. Just really 
I mean, what can you say? Excellent performance by Nathaniel Wood. Lots of really neat, uh, neat sequences in that fight. And, uh, I would really enjoy to make, or really, would really like to make also the commentary for that fight. I would enjoy that. To, just to point out all the nitty gritty little things, uh, happening in that fight. It's just really nice. And I would probably put it up on Patreon. Maybe I'll get, maybe I'll rope Silas and Christian into, the, uh, into it as usual these days. Kind of becoming the new, Fight I team with regards to MMA, just me, Christian, and Silas uh, vibing, me interrupting with the process, <laughs> just going nuts on the mic. Uh, anyway, so uh, Abus Magomedov nukes Dustin Stolzfus uh, in 19 seconds. Not much to say there, just uh, right out of the gate, front kicks Stolzfus in the face. Or I guess it's Stolzfus because he's American, I don't know. It says here that he's German, German born, so I guess it's Stolzfus. Um, Nasrat Hakparast wins a decision over John McDessey. Eh, wasn't very engaged by that fight, kind of skipped it. Faris Ziam looked much improved compared to his previous outings against uh, Michal Figlak. Um, one of the Discord patrons suggested that he, that he was looking juicy. Looking very juicy, looking much stronger than previously. Um, but regardless, massive improvements by Ziam. Great one one twos on the on the retreat. Very strong in grappling. Some nice nice high crotches there. Could be a byproduct of uh, Mikhail Figlak kind of being a bit of a blank, a uh, bit of a blank slate. Uh, nonetheless. There were not a lot of things that I would um, be harsh on Ziam for outside of perhaps ring cutting. Uh, not not ring cutting. Ring craft. Putting himself on the cage. Um, glue, standing with his back flat against the fence. Uh, not a good thing to do at featherweight. Featherweight is a pretty... It's a, it's a pretty... Oh no, this was lightweight. Still... Lightweight is where uh, guys are now becoming wise to the whole fans dynamic. After all, it was Habib's division, so some guys there can, could be wise to that. Uh, still has a long way to go. Uh, I would say his boxing looks sharp. Uh, boxing looks sharp. Fucking sharp. And as I said, strong in wrestling, good takedown defense, good takedowns uh, on the offense. Nice uh, body locks, body lock trips, body lock throws. Uh, just overall, good performance. Kind of overperformed compared to his previous outings, I would say. Then Benoit Saint-Denis, uh, Gabriel Miranda. I have, for some reason, I have very extensive notes on that fight. <laughs> Maybe that's because I was very... Um, it was uh, early in the evening and I was still pretty um, with it and uh, not not drunk enough. So <laughs> I'm just going to uh, list off the notes that I wrote down watching this fight live. Stiff striking. Self-evident. Uh, both fighters not not exactly like natural strikers in any way. Uh, really like slow, uh, ugly punches with uh, not much defense. Both guys getting hurt and dropped by very slow-looking punches that, uh, that like would that look more like lariats than straight punches. <laughs> eh. No wrestling. Both guys flopped 
to their back too easily. Also self-evident. Either pulling out or just kind of uh, conceding the takedown and then trying to get up from there. Sandini unable to pass guard. Very frustrating watching that live. It was very frustrating frustrating to me. Uh, Miranda had an open guard and uh, Sandini was like, had a lot of trouble clearing those legs. Miranda hangs in the pocket and lets uh, Sandini drop him. Sandini kicks, kicks from way too close. And it's something that I think he just generally kicks very poorly, and I think that's uh, that's the reason why he fucked up his foot by the end of the fight. Sandini controls from side control, but unable to mount offense, stands up so he can use his bad striking to beat Miranda's even worse striking. Drops Miranda, who again flops to his back near finish. Slow as molasses, Sandini kills Chini Miranda. And Sandini busted his own foot kicking badly. That's it. That's my notes. Not very extensive, but uh, still, by my standards, that's that's quite a quite a lot. Okay, Christian Quinones, Christian Quinones versus Khalid Tacha. Short notice opponent change. Khalid Tacha was uh, uh, scheduled to fight someone else, and uh, that someone else is uh, Lapilus, Taylor Lapilus. Um, so, obviously, could be a factor there. Uh, regardless, Quinones out of the gate with uh, solid jabs and one-twos. Taha struggles with range. Nice lead high kick to discourage head movement. Uh, Taha, as, a, as the smaller guy, wants to get in range and perhaps slip the jab because uh, Quinones is very jabby. So, good look there. Taha attempts blitzing in. Squares himself up doing so. Quinones lines him up for a great counter right. End of notes. <laughs> really, that was a really pretty punch, by the way. It's like, um, it's kind of like reminded me of uh, back on my Soviet boxers spiel again. Remind me, reminded me of how Soviet boxers would train out fighting. You, you, it, you would use the retreating jab as a counter jab. You bait the opponent to come into you, and you throw a hard jolting jab as you as you as you are on the retreat. And this forces your opponent to try and close the dis- the distance more quickly. And in an MMA, MMA context, if you add high kicks to that, you would discourage them from trying to slip the jab. Which means if they square themselves up by coming in too explosively, too quickly. There's the right hand. You step back, bam, clank them on the chin. That's that. And that's what happened. Really nice finish. Really nice nice fight, I'd say. I uh, would really enjoy seeing more of Queen Yonis's boxing coming. Uh, like, uh, moving forward, fuck's sake. Stephanie Agael and Perez didn't watch that one. <laughs> Sorry. It may have been good. I, I know that it was a submission, but uh, meh. Didn't feel like it. Didn't feel like it because uh, I hate women, minorities, hugely misogynistic. But what what can you do? I'm a gamer by nature. Uh, that's... Uh, I, I guess that's it. <laughs> kind of unexpected. Uh, I kind of wanted to get to nerd out over techniques more, but um, I apologize. I just realized that uh, 
getting too too in depth would be redundant with some of the fights that happened. But regardless, uh, how I would evaluate UFC uh, Paris, UFC Paris, not great, not terrible. Overall, good. It's a solid event. Some good fights on there. Watch the good fights. Skip everything else. That's it. Um, much, much better than UFC London, obviously. And as a, as the first UFC event in uh, in France, I would say that was a success. Um, some of the French fighters that were showcased in there and uh, wouldn't hold much too much hope for them. Not, uh, not, not, not. Uh, Obviously, MMA was banned uh, in France for quite a while, so they have a long way to go. And there's certainly lots of things to improve. Zero Gun, by far, the best French fighter on the, on the card. Okay, so some plugs. Uh, as stated, look forward to the restructuring on the fight site. Look forward to more content on the front page of the website, that, which is uh, thefight-site.com. There's... Uh, we already have a piece coming up. It's going to be a piece about Hakim Dawadu, also written by our newest edition. And what an edition it is, I must say again, Miguel Klaus. I gave it a read, obviously, because I'm the editor. And it was an article, really good article. Look, look forward to that. And uh, yeah. Um, so as to the content that's going to be coming up uh, from now on, we're going to try and restart our production of video breakdowns. Probably going to be focusing on the UFC because the UFC doesn't seem to be as hell-bent on, the, on um, handing out DMCAs and copyright strikes willy-nilly as other promotions are, which is just strange to me because smaller promotions probably would be interested in free marketing provided by the showcasing of their of the fighters on the roster by analysts telling other people why the, the fighters are cool but here we are a lot of uh, the, the previous channel received a lot of copyright strikes from uh, PFL and Bellator for breakdowns of PFL and Bellator fighters which is uh, extremely annoying but uh, we want to restart the channel and because YouTube hates necroing channels they dislike uh, necromance they dislike when uh, channels get restarted after a long uh, period of inactivity, so might want to give uh, another channel a go. So stay tuned for more uh, updates regarding that. And uh, regarding the Patreon tiers, there's going to be a press release, I think. Uh, yeah, we, we, I, I'm going to like explain the new tiers in a post. Um, uh, we will probably put it up on the website. Beyond that, uh, again, I have to... It's not a plug, it's just me saying that my situation's supremely fucked up. So, for like, for now, the things are fairly quiet, but uh, back home, things are not looking great. Not looking great. There's, like, stuff like patriotic education being instituted in elementary schools all across the country, where... Children are educated in why they must hate Ukraine and why Putin is the new god. Stuff, stuff like that. And I'm not exaggerating, by the way. That's literally what's happening. Uh, the information locator is getting worse. Uh, thankfully, I am out of the country as of the moment, as, as of this moment, and uh, as I've said before. And the newest major update is that me and Ben have got in contact with an attorney that could probably get us 
get me and my wife uh, US visas. And uh, it's going to be work visas and it's going to cost a fucking shit ton of money. And we've set up a Ko-Fi where you can donate anything fucking helps. Like literally anything anything at this point. We need a, a large sum of money to pay for the legal fees and we need a large sum of money to actually uh, fly there and uh, like get, get housing for the first couple of months at least before I find employment. Um, yeah, so far, the amount that we've gathered would allow me to pay for the le- the first half of the legal fees, the first third, I should say, of the legal fees. Then we should pay the other third, and then the other third is just uh, government fees. So, uh, about 10k, all in all, which is a, a lot of fucking money. And obviously, I understand if uh, things are a bit tight for you at the moment, so it's, things are tight for everyone. And obviously, there's there's people in Ukraine being shelled as of this moment. So if you want to donate to them instead of me, feel free to do so. Uh, More power to you. In fact, I support that decision wholeheartedly. People who need more help than me should get that help. It's just that if you're willing to help me out while you're at it, then that would be much appreciated. After all, uh, if uh, like 100 people bands bands together and sends me 10 bucks each, that's already a thousand bucks which brings us that much closer to the goal of uh, establishing a new, better life for, well, primarily for my wife, honestly. Uh, obviously, I would like to live a normal life and be happy with my spouse, but I still have family back back home and uh, things are deteriorating fairly rapidly. And I would like to get them out as soon as possible. And to, in order to get them out, I would need to start earning a lot of money very quickly. For that, I would need to immigrate to a place where I could start earning a lot of money very quickly, at least by Russian standards. And the bar is not very high because uh, I used to get 400 bucks per month from the website. And I would I used to be able to live like a f- fairly well-off Russian citizen, you know, it just puts things to put things into perspective. So, yeah. If you're willing to help out, please do. You're not just going to be helping me out. You're going to be helping a lot of people out. You're going to help be helping my wife out, who also has folks back home, and you would be helping us uh, start the process to uh, maybe figure out how to get them out as well. Or at least send them financial help. Yeah. With that out of the way, um, yeah, I'm going to link all the stuff in the description. No no worries. Uh, you don't need to seek for it. Uh, actively seek it out. And uh, yeah, there's also another Tinkered Home episode that I want to record, and I'm not sure whether to make it a Patreon exclusive yet or like a Tinkered Home bonus, like the fake martial artists one or like something, some, something like that. Uh, it's uh, prompted by a discussion on the Fightside Discord uh, with one of the patrons, it's about, it's uh, kind of has ties to the uh, discussion panel that we recorded uh, a number of months ago on toughness in combat sports and what does it mean to be tough in combat sports. We sort of deconstruct the idea, come up with precise definitions for uh, what is a very loaded term. And uh, it's a discussion that kind of, the new discussion kind of ties into the idea of savage mountain men and trauma and hardship and how hardship allegedly turns you into a tougher person and is actually good for you. And it kind of also ties into my own situation. So the topic kind of hit close to close close to home. So I would uh, 
really like to enjoy. I would enjoy uh, exploring it further, uh, more in depth. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, what a life! <laughs> Just feels surreal to kind of get back to talking about fights while still in the middle of uh, fleeing an oppressive government currently at war. But what are you gonna do? Uh, still gotta, still gotta earn my bread somehow. Um, hope you enjoyed this one. Hope this wasn't like too. Uh, to surface level compared to some of the other episodes it's just that um, yeah as stated I didn't want to get too redundant with my analysis and uh, I hope I wasn't too incoherent for you because I'm very drunk right now anyway <laughs> before I say any more stupid shit that, this was Tengridome your usual host Iggy uh, stay tuned for more content coming up on the website on the Patreon and everywhere else cheers cheers